Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you gave your apostles grace truly to believe and to preach your word. Grant that we might love what they believed and preach what they taught through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our gospel reading, in Luke's gospel this morning, we see, we read of Jesus seeing a funeral procession with a widow from Nain coming from the town with a large crowd. And it says in Luke chapter 7 that Jesus saw this widow, he had compassion on her, and he raised her son from the dead. And there's something kind of dramatic about raising someone from the dead, isn't there? You hear those three things, he saw her, he had compassion on her, and he raised her son from the dead. All I remember is he raised her son from the dead. Let's go back to the beginning. The first thing, Jesus saw her. What does it mean to really see someone? If you go to Atlanta when there's a baseball game or some kind of event, or just any other time, there's crowds of people. If you go to get off the MARTA station, you get to that giant escalator that goes almost like vertical straight up. Have you ever seen that? It's a three-story elevator that's almost straight up, and it's one of the reasons my son never wants to go to a Braves game ever again. Or at least not to ride the MARTA. But we see these crowds of people walking on the streets. We see the traffic, and we know that these are cars. We see thousands of cars on 285 or 85 or even 78 now. And there's people in those cars, but we really just see crowds, and we see cars, and we see people. We see people sitting in our living room drinking a cup of coffee with us. And when we look around the table at the family dinner, we see people at that table, human beings. But what does it mean to really see someone, to see a person the way Jesus saw this widow of Nain? Because we have a lot of things going on in our lives. And sometimes, or oftentimes, we see people or a person without seeing the human being and seeing the person. I know that's true in my life because I have so many things going on, I say to myself, and my own stresses and my own to-do list and my own fears and anxieties and things I'm worried about. And so I see people, but I don't often see the person. I don't often see their sorrows or their pains or their struggles or their gifts or their personalities or their joys or their victories or their goals their mourning, their sorrow, and their need for healing. And it's easy for us in our busyness and in our own focus to see people without seeing the person like Jesus did. Recently, there was a, a picture on Facebook that kind of went viral and went all over the place, and everybody was talking about it. When it first came out, this was the picture. It was a picture of a bunch of high school kids in an art museum in front of Rembrandt's painting, The Night Watch, is a big, beautiful painting. And they're all sitting on a bench, but they're looking down at their cell phones, their smartphones. Every single one of them has that glow. <laughs> and so when this picture first made the rounds, all of the comments were, look what our civilization is coming to. This is what the young generation is all about. Those are the kind of comments as this thing went around. Recently, though, a reporter dug a little bit deeper into this picture. And he found out, and this has just recently been going to a lesser degree around social media, that what actually happened was this high school group went to Amsterdam, to the museum, and a curator took them 
through the Rembrandt exhibit and stationed them in this place and explained this painting, and they spent a lot of time studying this painting. After all their questions were answered and they learned about this painting, the curator said, please sit on this bench over here and take out your mobile devices and complete an online assignment that I've given you so that you can learn how to explain Rembrandt to other people. That was the picture that was taken and went all over the place, and when it was seen by people, we didn't really see the people. And it's so easy when it comes to things like sports figures or celebrities or politicians, even politicians are people, human beings. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but it's true. But we look around and we see these photoshopped people on TV or on social media or on the internet in some place. And we see all these people, but do we really see the person? When Jesus was going on his way and he saw this funeral procession, he had something very important to do. You can take all of the to-do lists that we have and all the things that we think are so important and then compare that to Jesus' to-do list. Jesus came here on a mission from God to do one thing that would save, that would offer salvation to every single person in the whole world. Jesus came to bring the gospel to us and to die on the cross for our sins. So his to-do list was more important than any to-do list I will ever have in my whole life. He had places to go and things to do and people to see, and he was marching to the cross. And yet, with that to-do list, he stopped and he looked at this woman and he saw her. He saw the mourning cry of a mother who lost her son. He saw the cry of a widow who'd already lost her husband and now was losing her only son. He saw the cry of a woman who knew that unless the male family relatives who would inherit their property were kind to her out of their own goodwill and not by the law of the land, she would be destitute. He saw a crowd that gathered around this woman in mourning coming out from the town who also had lost someone and now was comforting and mourning with this woman. Jesus stopped and he looked and he saw a human being with feelings, with pain, with sorrow, crying, and surrounded by people. He stopped. And then it says, and he had compassion on her. He suffered with her. He felt her pain. How hard is it for us to stop and to look at someone and to see that person and hear that person and make that decision to suffer with that person, to feel their pain? Our human lives are messy. It's a dangerous thing. It's a difficult thing to really see one another. But Jesus stopped and he saw her and he felt her pain and he had compassion on her and he raised her son from the dead. There's three places in Luke's gospel where we're told that someone sees someone and has compassion on them. This is the first one. The second is the Good Samaritan story. Do you remember that story? There was a Jewish man who was walking on the road. He was beaten and robbed and left for dead in the ditch. And some scribes and some Pharisees came by, but they had more important things to do than to stop and reach out and touch this man. They were religious people. They wore robes. And they were going probably to the service of God, so they rationalized in their mind, if I look at this man, if I see him, if I reach out to him, and if I touch him, and if he's already dead, I'll have touched a corpse. 
And if I touch a corpse, I'll be ritually unclean and I won't be allowed to serve. So, of course, God would want me to pass on. You know that story. The man that actually stopped and saw and looked with his eyes and his heart and saw that Jewish man in the ditch was a Samaritan who were the enemies of the Jews. And they weren't the kind of distant enemies that we have. They were the kind of close enemies. The closer we are to our enemies, the more the passions arise. The Samaritans and the Jews were close, side-by-side enemies. And yet this Samaritan, his eyes were opened and he saw this Jew in the ditch and he reached out and took him to a house of healing. And the third place in Luke's gospel that we see someone seeing someone and having compassion on them is the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son goes away and he wastes his father's inheritance and when he gets to the bottom, to the rock bottom and decides to go home and hopes that maybe he could be a servant, when he's coming down the road to go home, his father's watching for him and Luke tells us that Jesus said when he told this parable that the father sees him. He sees the son. Have you ever seen someone that you love and you see their, the way they walk, you know the way they walk, you know the way their shoulders hang, you know, you just know from their silhouette who they are. His father looked and saw him in the distance and he had compassion on him. He suffered with him. He looked past his own treatment by the son and had compassion. So here we have three, one story of Jesus raising the dead out of compassion and two parables that he told of someone being seen and being given compassion. And so we may say, this is what Jesus wants to teach us, that we should go out today and leave this place and try, to see, try harder to see past our own stuff so that we can see other people and feel their pain. But if we start there, we've actually missed the point the heart of what Jesus is teaching us, if we start at that place. And I want to share a story with you to illustrate this. A few years ago, we lived in Columbia, South Carolina, and our kids were little. They were in the strollers, and my folks came to visit. My dad and his wife came to visit, and they love to go to flea markets, and we like, you know, we like to save money. So we, and you always have to buy a lot of baby stuff when you have toddlers and babies, you know, so you want to get that at the flea market if you can. And they have a flea market in Columbia that's always packed full of people. There's all kinds of booths, and there's always hundreds of people there. So it's a lot of fun. So we came into the flea market, and we were going through these crowds, and we we're pushing the strollers, and we're going along maybe 15, 20 minutes. And I look around, and I said to my wife, Victoria, where's my dad? And everybody's looking around going, where's dad? Well, we're used to this by now. Okay, We knew, we, we knew this would happen. So we started looking around for dad. And we go kind of retrace our steps, and we get back, and we see this booth over here where we had first come in, and there's a man in a wheelchair, and he's sitting, he's sitting in his wheelchair, and my dad has his hands on his shoulder, and the man's got tears pouring down his face. So my dad finished talking to him and came over to us, and I said, what's going on, Dad? And he said, well, I saw this man over here, and I just felt like I should ask him if he needs prayer. And when I talked to him, I found out that he has just two weeks ago had to start using this wheelchair. He didn't, very, not very long ago, he found out that he had a condition that would lead to him losing his ability to walk. And even quicker than the doctors predicted, he's ended up in this wheelchair and he can't even stand. And so I prayed for him. And when I was done praying for him, my dad said, I found out, he told me, no one has ever prayed for me before in my whole life. No one has ever prayed for me before in my whole life. So he looked and he saw 
He saw the person, he saw the man where we were just moving through and pushing everything, pushing the strollers and all that. He saw this man there that we had missed. But let's not start there. Let's go backwards in time. Because it's easy for us to say, let's just leave today and try to open our eyes a little bit wider. When my dad was a young boy, he came from a home that didn't have a lot of love and was very chaotic. He never knew where he stood. He was very poor. His grandfather had been evangelized by Baptist missionaries and had become a Baptist Christian who planted a Baptist church in Kansas City, Kansas, that's still there today. So he reached out to his grandson and was the only person in my dad's life who showed him love and compassion, who took him fishing, who taught him how to be a man, cared for him as a person, and got to know him, and got him a job working at my great-grandfather's service station. My dad went off to school, went off to Navy, did his thing, got married, had a child, didn't pay too much attention to the faith that he'd been given. And his firstborn son, my older brother, was born mentally and physically disabled. My dad and my mom had been really successful in business, so they felt like they had a, he felt like he had a problem that needed to be fixed. And during this is the late 70s, someone said, I know how you can fix this problem. They're having these healing services now. And you could take your son to this healing service, and they'll heal him, and then everything will be okay. And so my dad said, this is exactly what we need. We've tried everything else. We'll take him to this service. We'll sit in the balcony so that we don't have to get all mixed up with all of that stuff that's going on down there and all that <laughs> charismatic stuff. And then when they say, okay, it's time for healing, we'll just bring him down, get him healed, get out of there. <laughs> And they're sitting in this balcony, and everybody's singing music, and my dad has a vision. He has a vision of Jesus, and he hears these words, I brought you here to heal you. That's all he heard. I brought you here to heal you. And in that moment of God's presence, God, through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, looking into his actual heart all the way to the depths of his souls, he saw that he had brought his son there, not out of compassion and seeing his son, but out of his own desire to fix a problem. In that deep place of repentance where we're seen, but we're seen with grace and mercy and love and compassion at the same time, it radically changed his life. Fast forward about 15 or 20 years later, and we lost my mom in a car accident. And the next, after that first night, I said to my dad, how are you doing, dad? And he said, I'm not doing good at all. I'm doing terrible. I'm lonely, and this is, he couldn't even describe it. But he said, last night, when I laid in bed by myself, I prayed and I said, God, I can't do this. And he said, I felt the everlasting arms of God wrap around me and hold me like it was physical so that I could fall asleep and sleep through the night. And now we come back to this flea market. Why were his eyes open? Why did he look for someone in pain, someone that needed prayer? Why, did, why was he motivated to see this man that others missed? Because Jesus Christ had relentlessly pursued him all of his life from the moment when his Baptist grandfather reached out to him and loved him and tried to teach him and be with him. Jesus relentlessly pursued him to the point where he brought him to that balcony and said, I'm here to heal you, and I love you. 
Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wrapped his arms around him and comforted him in the place of deep mourning. And so now, as he walks around, he looks for people in sorrow and pain so that he can be the hands of Jesus to offer compassion and healing to the people that come into his life. So, brothers and sisters, we are also seen by Jesus, each and every one of us and all of us. He looks at us in our mourning and our sorrow. He looks at us when we're the prodigal who has gone and wasted everything, who has shamed everyone, and finally turns our hearts around to go back home, and he's the father with his arms wide open waiting to bring us back and throw a party and celebrate. He's been that person for you, and he is that person for you. He sees us when we're in the ditch, and we're suffering, and he reaches out to us, and he takes us to a house of healing. He's pursuing you. He's seeking after you. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you, and he's having compassion on you and me. Receive that compassion and that love today. Receive that hand of healing and resurrection and new life and give it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see people, to see the person, to see the need, for the supernatural power of God to be working through us, to go to those places where we may not be comfortable, to reach out to be wounded healers in the name of Jesus Christ. So now as we sing and we hear the word and sing the word and receive the sacrament, we're sent out into the world. Let us be people whose eyes are open to see and to give what we've been given. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.